You're listening to the Changing Lives Podcast, where we talk with health professionals, industry experts, and everyday heroes, changing lives on the front lines through emergency healthcare. I'm Ben Cleaver. And I'm Tim Buxton. Well, welcome to another episode of the Changing Lives Podcast. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Yeah, today's special. We've got the boss man. We've got Peter Evans, who is the CEO, the founder of the Australian Paramedical College. He's in the studio and we get the chance to really get to know a bit about him, his journey, his life. He's definitely a quiet achiever, which you'll find out, right, Ben? Yeah, and we go into his backstory. We go into where it all started. Yep. From Dagwood Dogs to uh, lifeguarding, mining, and then to training and, and actually becoming the CEO of the uh, largest private paramedical college in Australia without any formal business qualifications. Yeah, it, it truly is incredible and it's it's fun to kind of get the behind-the-scenes scoop on, on his life and, and, and really as we learn more about the college itself, you know, and how APC has really set it up and how he's really driven the college to be on the forefront of learning experience for students to be unique and, and to really push into some exciting new ways of learning. I think we find that with all that's going on in the world today, the importance of being innovative. And I think if anybody is studying with us or with the Australian Paramedical College, or you're looking at getting into paramedicine, uh, you're going to learn a lot about um, you know, many ways that APC could you know, really uh, serve you in that, in that career path. Yeah, and you're going to get excited too for the possibilities because uh, it's clear from talking to Pete that this is an innovative and quite a unique organisation mm-hmm. where they're always looking to meet the customer or the student in this case where they're at. And that's mm-hmm. really how Pete started, um, giving the information to people to make the, the right choice and what right. course is best for them, where they want to go, if it's right for them. And then meeting them in their current life situation, whether that be parenting, working full time and being able to take little steps into the career of their dreams instead of feeling overwhelmed and you know, jumping into a, having to jump into a bachelor degree or whatever it may be. So yeah. uh, it's just great to get the heart behind why they've been so successful. And uh, I really think uh, you're going to enjoy this uh, little insight into the man, uh, yeah. Pete Evans, that um, started it all. Yeah. So wherever you are, whether you're sitting back at home, grab a cup of coffee, whether you're jumping in the car on the way to work, whatever it is uh, that you're doing to, to, to kind of get some podcast time in. We hope you really enjoy this interview with Peter Evans. Other than that, um, you know, it's probably just the the, the change of um, employment, you know, like, you know, we've had people that have, you know, worked in cafes, worked in McDonald's, um, real, um, you know, you'd say basic employment and they've, they've studied hard and they've done our course and now they're, they're, they're working in events, they're, you know, they're out there, you know, saving people and changing people's lives and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, that's, that's probably the biggest, um, the biggest thing that I like to see is really people changing their employment status. You know, like mm. you know, I was able to do it, even though um, working at the food vans at the AFL is very prestigious. Eating Dagwood dogs. Eating Dagwood dogs. Yeah, there's, uh, you know, there is more in life, and you don't necessarily know where your life's going to take you. But exactly. at some point, you you do think back and go, oh wow, okay, I've gone from selling Dagwood dogs at the um, the AFL to, to being CEO of Australian Paramedical College and that's just through you know hard work and also just you know testing yourself and, and having a go at things so yeah. I think that's the same with all the students. 
Pete Evans, thanks so much for joining us today, mate. Really appreciate you giving the time. Thanks, guys. Good to be here. Can't yeah, wait to share everything yeah. with everyone. Now, we're at the back end of a pandemic at the moment. Um, it's been uh, really uncharted waters for everybody, let alone, you know, uh, businesses. And um, how is how's the college going? How have we been able to overcome the huge challenges? Yeah, like, as you said, you know, very unexpected and it, and it crept up on us really quickly. We um, started taking notice of it around about on a Monday where we thought, hang on a second, this could affect us. And by Thursday, we had staff working from home. So we really had to make a lot of moves really quickly um, to, to, to one, protect the college. Um, and mm. secondly, just try and work out how we can continue the students in their training. Uh, probably the most important part for us was just working out alternative ways that we can keep training the students. Um, uh, largely where a lot of our work's based online, so we're able to uh, implement new things for online learning. Um, uh, you know, web webinars, um, you know, trainer tutorials and all those types of things that kept people excited. The only things we weren't able to do with the practicals. Um, but now we've everything's sort of changed a little bit at the moment. Uh, we've been able to, you know, catch up with those practical dates and keep running as normal so um you know while it was a a big shock at first it, it didn't hit us as hard as other businesses and other stories that we've heard of um so we we pulled through it pretty well yeah and i think the it's really apparent the innovation that the college has we're going to get into some of that mm. uh as well as the backstory uh, your own backstory yeah personal backstory um so that's going to be fun yeah, illuminating. Yeah, and I think a lot of the, um, uh, the you know, the, the calmness that I sort of had to have through that time and, um, you know, leading through that time was all built off, you know, the backstories and what I've been through in my life. So if I probably hadn't have done those things in my life, then I, I wouldn't have been able to lead the way I did. You know, it's it's quite a quite a stressful time. And, you know, if you don't sort of keep your stuff together, it, it can go really bad. So I was able to do yeah. that. So it'd be interesting to, to see how the backstory links up with, um, how that was handled through that time as well. Yeah. Well, I think, like you said, the innovation that, you know, the college shows, it's one of your main kind of uh, core b- belief statements that you have up on the wall there, along with a few other statements, collaboration and teamwork. And, and I just love, you know, that whole idea of, of innovation. Um, and like you said, though, uh, you've kind of brought in some of your previous uh, skills from previous work experience um, but I would think I think we need to take it back right to the very beginning. What Let's do you take reckon? Take it all the way back. All the way back to mm. the beginning. Can you kind of give us a bit of a an idea about some of your first jobs you had? One in particular <laughs> was, uh, uh, I believe you uh, worked at a bit of a cafe. Was it at at, at Carrara Stadium at the time? Oh yeah, yeah, in the food vans at the AFL. Yeah, yeah. That well, was a classic time in life. Um, I can't remember what my uh, other job was. Oh, actually, it was probably when I was paddling. So I was a, an athlete yeah, trying to be an athlete, which is obviously a low-paid job. Um, and on the weekends, I'd work at the AFL in the food vans, having a great time, working hard while it was half-time and quarter-time and all that, and then totally not working hard afterwards. Yeah. And getting to eat can a lot of the profits as well. Can you tell us a bit more <laughs> about eating that? Eating into a lot of the profits. <laughs> okay. Yeah, what was that final? Tell us about that. Final, uh, the final routine of the evening that <laughs> yeah. you, you got so, stuck um, in there. So me and a mate who used to train quite a lot, we also used to eat quite a lot as well. So the two things went hand in hand. And, you know, if you have two guys all alone with the leftovers from an AFL game, you're, they're going to have a, a bit of a mess. So as soon as ever the final siren went, um, 
we'd get rid of a few of the people that were just uh, drunk on their way out and then basically everything else was left to us to eat. So we'd just have a bite of everything, something like uh, the Dagwood dogs. So we'd, <laughs> we'd dip the Dagwood dogs in the sauce, which was the best part, take one bite and then throw the rest away, grab another one. Dip it in the sauce, take the best bite, throw the rest away. Uh, so the top bit was the best bit? The top bit was the best bit. First bite's always the best of the uh, Dagger Dog, and the rest oh. is just, you know, leftovers. Did, did anyone catch on as to why there was, you know, <laughs> considerable fewer number of Dagwood Dogs no, at the I end of the no, day? No, or? it was uh, definitely back in the old days where there was no stock take, no cash <laughs> registers. It was just, here's a heap of food, and hopefully you sell it. Tell us how it goes at the end of the night, so... We yeah. uh, took advantage of you that. You would have had to throw it out anyway, so. Oh, so totally, yeah. It was that they were all cooked, so they were all just going in the bin. So we thought, let's have a bit of fun with them and or eat them on the yeah. way out. And there was all sorts of um, <laughs> hot chicken rolls, um, chico, uh, chico rolls, yeah, yeah, dim spring sims. rolls, dim sims, oh, every yeah. greasy piece of food you can have. Oh, I didn't mate. touch the uh, the chili chicken, though. That would have been a bit nasty. It, it sounds like the food of a world champion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we didn't feel that well. A world champion time. in what, perhaps, yeah. right? Pete, you're a, you're a world champ. <laughs> yeah, Team yeah. Player. So, um, yep, yep. So in um, uh, two, 1997, um, a team of us from Australia went over and we paddled against the Hawaiians and our Tahitians in the Outrigger Championships, which was in Molokai. So it's a big race from um, Molokai Island all the way to the um, the, the main island. How far is that? It's about uh, 56 kilometres. In the open ocean. Open ocean, yeah, open swell. So when you're in the middle of the channel, you can't see land that way or that way. And, wow. You know, there is uh, really large swells and there's also, um, you know, sharks and everything in there. Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty heavy race. It takes about, took us about five and a half hours. And, and in the end, when everyone converged, we happened to be in the lead and held that lead till the end. So it was good for Australia because, you know, the, the Hawaiians and the Tahitians, that's their, their national pride and national mm. sport. So we um, came out of the blue. Stole that from them. Stole that from them. But it was a lot of hard work in the in the lead up to it. A lot of early winter mornings at 4.30 tra- training and then doing, you know, training sessions from Coolangatta to Surface Paradise, you know, for many long weekends. So mm. some of the luxuries of what you can do when you're a bit younger and you mm. don't have a, a business and you don't have kids. Yeah. Well, I've actually seen the Channel 9 Wide World of Sports kind of uh, episode that show, highlighted, you know, that, that uh, victory that you guys had, which was pretty pretty impressive. So uh, definitely uh, something to be proud of and to show your kids when, uh, yep. when they, uh, they grow up. Have they seen it? Um, they see a little bit of it, but you sort of they don't really understand what they're seeing. But I think yeah. as they get old and they understand it a bit more, they'll they mm. love it. They're still you know not quite sure what world championship means. Um, I mean, you can sort of say, hey, you know, daddy was in the Guinness Book of Records, but then they'll go and try and look for it in the Guinness <laughs> Book of Records. So, but that's the only real way to explain, you know, you, you beat everyone in the world in that particular year. Yes, uh, yes. What got you into that? Um, probably just, you know, general sports. So when I left school, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. So, um, I was a kayak paddler. So I got a scholarship with the Australian Institute of Sport, um, straight out of school. So instead of, you know, going into a job, that was my job. Probably did that for three or four years. So just being around that the whole time, outriggers is a, almost like an off season sport that you do. So a lot of the guys who would paddle skis and kayaks, they'd do outriggers in the off season. So we just it was just a, a natural sort of progression into a different sport. Mm. Um, and then, you know, everyone would train just as hard as they were training in the summer months on their chosen sports. Um, and that's probably why we also were able to um, to excel so much because it just happens to be 
you know, six guys who are all uh, really mm. fit at the peak um, all together um, racing on that particular year. So we'd gone, we went in 1995 and got fifth. So, you know, we, we sort of um, felt the, the pain of, you know, not being on the dais and, mm. and coming fifth and going a long way and training in winter and not actually going that well. So, you know, the next time we were definitely more prepared and I think that's like with everything, you know, you, you do something once and you learn from your mistakes and you, mm. you come back harder, bigger and better the next time. And you also did some lifeguarding. Yeah, so I, um, when I started my career um, um, after um, like the real career, you know, I wouldn't really say sport is a career. It's more of a hobby that you, you, you love to do. Um, career started with lifeguarding, so I was able to, um, you know, sit on a beach and at Surface Paradise or anywhere from Burley to Surface Paradise and, and protect people. Again, you know, it's a physical job when you have to save people um, and, you know, you're fit enough to be able to do it and, um, you know, you, you learn good skills with, you know, surveillance and things like that. But, yeah, I did that for, um, you know, almost sort of, uh, you know, 10 years, 10 or 12 years. Um, uh, because it was such a good job and it fitted into a lifestyle that's, um, you know, you're fit and healthy, you get to mm. do some training yeah, um, and you get to spend your time in the best place on earth, just at the beach. So Absolutely. It was great, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, that kind of comes full circle. You're now obviously founder and CEO of a paramedical college um, and somewhat piecing that together from your early years of, you know, doing your CPR and first responder. Um, sometimes our journeys don't make sense and until we look back and see them. So we want to talk about, too, the, the journey from there into, you know, becoming an owner of a, a training organisation, looking at safety and things like that. Uh, as I understand, it started in, uh, in mining as a, as a website for information, blogging information for people to get jobs, pathways into the, the mining industry. Can you tell yep. us a, a bit about that and then how that began sort of the, the start of the, the beginnings of the college. Yeah, sure. Well, um, if we rewind right back, um, you know, each of those years where I was working, the 10 to 12 years, there was a winter time, which was really, really quiet. And I'd always read books about um, management and about business ownership, um, hmm. about sales, about um, how to lead people. So I spent uh, quite a lot of time being well-read, even though as a lifeguard, you know, you you don't need those skills. I always knew there'd be something else that i do in life. I um, just wasn't sure what it was. I knew mm. it would just pop its head up one day. Um, so what happened was um, I, uh, I was on the beach and one of the guys said, hey, my brother just quit uh, working in the mines. And I thought, hey, I've heard the mines is really good money and I might give that a crack. So I, I rang them up and just said, hey, I just heard that um, with his name, uh, Michael, has just quit up there and I'm ready to go. And they said, wow. have you got any experience? And I said, no. They said, um, okay, well, we'll give you a call back. And I, I thought I wouldn't hear anything of it because when I said I didn't have any experience, they thought, okay, well, you know, you're really no good to us. Um, fortunately, unfortunate for these two guys. So that was on probably the Wednesday. On the Friday, I got a phone call from the guy and said, we just flew two guys up um, from um, from Sydney and they both failed their drug test before they even walked on site. Mm -hmm. So can you come up here? Wow. And I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm good for it. You know, when? How long have I got to come up? He goes, tomorrow. So basically within 24 hours, I was up in the middle of Mount Isa putting <laughs> a hard hat on and big boots and even putting boots on was weird because... I haven't put boots on or yeah. you know, steel caps or anything for a long time. I've done a little bit of um, uh, 
uh, what do you call it, like construction work and you know mm. general general stuff. Labor but and stuff. Definitely yeah. nothing that I was getting myself into. Plus, I didn't even know what I was getting myself into. So I didn't know the mining industry. I didn't know what they're actually doing there. And probably it took about three months for me to actually work out what are we doing here. So you know, I was just a, a good boy and I listened to what everyone said. And I definitely, um, uh, when I got there, I was a fish out of water. Sort of sounds funny being a lifeguard, but definitely a fish out of water. And um, you know, I didn't know my lefts and rights when you. You, you, you tighten things and loosen things. Uh, that was pretty evident. So we're we talking um, like kitchen towels. Yeah, no, like? yeah, exactly. Couldn't even do that. So you know, big, big machinery, and I just sort of fumbled my way through. But I made up for it with hard work. So you know, the particular job I had was a driller's offsider, and you had to, you know, pull out you know 180 rods, which were 30 kilograms each, and put them back in. And you know, the driller would just sort of stand there, you know, on his levers. But the better his offsider is, the more meters he drills and the more money he gets. So it sort of didn't take that long for the driller to realize that, hey, you know, this guy's good at doing this, not so much that. So I'll help him with that because this other part's really good. And, mm. you know, we, we, um, you know we, we even broke some records with the, the amount of um, rods that we were able to put in and put out in one, in, uh, and drill in one, um, in one um, shift, mm. uh, which was hard work as well. But, yeah, plenty of good stories in the mines um, and then got the respect just through hard work. Um, but to, to follow on your question, so um, um, <laughs> what happened then was I, I knew a little bit about websites. So I was studying websites and seeing how they work and how, you know, people find information on Google. And when I was working in the mines, everyone started asking me. Studying websites, you mean not formally, just... No, not formally, just like, um, you know, reading um, reading information on how they're, how they're created, why they work, um, you know, some of the some of the big internet stars of the day back then, you know, reading about them and seeing, you know, how, how they do their thing. Um, it's probably more so about just how to show up on Google. Um, mm. So, but again, hadn't really had any um, practice with that. Um, but when people started asking me how to get a job in the mines, I thought, well, instead of answering the question, you know, ten or twenty times a day, I might just create a small website and um, and then put all the information there where they can, you know, go off to other areas to to find it. Because um, with Google, you know, there's so many different pages that you know you need to sort of collect the information in one place for people. So that's what I thought I'd do, not knowing that it would turn into anything. So I started, you know, collating information. Um, and then people started asking where to do courses. So um, training was big at the time because the mines were hiring people. Um, right. And um, so I had a few different partnerships with different training companies. And I was, you know, the website, basically, I didn't really have to do too much. The website would direct them to, to these training companies. And then um, I started getting a a small referral fee from those training companies for sending people through because they were they were stoked because um you know they didn't have to pay for advertising or anything it was right. just a referral fee based off someone who showed up and gave them money so um yeah and then from there um it really sort of ramped up because everyone mm. wanted to go to the mines and um and then we started to sort of get a little bit of um I don't know, bad reviews about the training companies so I'm like okay here's a bit of an issue like that's reflecting on you know my you know, website, which was called yeah. iMinko. So at that point, I thought, uh, what's the best way to, you know, do training good is to control that yourself and, um, you know, hopefully start up a training company. And when I looked into it, it was a little bit harder than I thought. Hmm. Um, but I then, you know, saw that you are able to, you know, purchase them. So just looked around and it, it was really a by fate that um, I'd found one for sale that had everything we wanted and a little bit of paramedical, thankfully. Uh, which we didn't know anything about, but it was more so the mining. And, and they said they'd only listed two days before, and I just happened to go to the right website and talk to the right person. Wow. So, 
Yeah, it was amazing. Um, amazing stroke of luck. Quite fortuitous, um, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, a timing thing. So. Yeah. And then, of course, I guess the mining industry. You know, that was maybe in its peak or coming off its its peak. And um, so, how did the the paramedical? Yeah, well, it was pretty much um, on its way up. So, you know, we we got this training company and and I'd even say, actually, probably it, it, um, you know, it definitely took off from when we had it. It it got a lot bigger than, you know, what I thought. You know, Mm. I went from uh, someone with not a lot of experience in, you know, running people to having, you know, we got up to 44 staff at one point. Mm. Um, And in the early days, that's that's quite daunting. Um, You know, I did have managers, but then, you know, I didn't know what to do with managers either. You're like, where are those books that I've... Yeah, read yeah, a few I was every night referring <laughs> different books. Yeah, totally, um, because you know they are the source of truth. But it is funny that you know even things you read, it all just sits in the back of your mind, and mm. you might not be able to um, repeat it. But yeah, it, it does sit in there for when you make decisions and stuff like that. So I think that's what you know got me through was just that 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 wide knowledge on a, a range of different things. Uh, so yeah, the mining industry we had a, a you know good couple of years, um, and then. The mining industry started to sort of drop off, you know, um, China was doing all sorts of weird things and, and the industry basically overnight sort of dropped off. Um, so we, um, luckily we had the paramedical arm, which was just sort of ticking along. Um, when I had bought the company, you know, there was some paramedical students, so I employed a, a great trainer from, who was former New South Wales ambulance guy and he basically looked after those students because we were so busy with the other you know, 43 mm, staff. Mm. It was almost like a little bit sort of neglectful, but he he, he picked it up and ran with it, um, including training everyone, you know, writing quite, um, the um, the curriculum, mm. doing the practical classes, you mm. know, traveling around, support. He was everything. So um, um, when the mining industry came down, we sort of looked to the paramedical and thought, okay, well, what have we got here? And that was the start of, um, you know, our journey into, into where we are today with the Australian Paramedical College. We've now got, well, the APC has now got a purpose-built facility there in Burley Heads, um, prime location internationally, I think. Um, But it didn't, like all stories, it didn't start there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like even, you know, the first sort of admin area. As the mining industry came down, you know, we had um, like a donger in the backyard of the house with, you know, five staff in there that... Um, we were just doing some work um, and then we thought okay now we're you know big enough for a proper office so you know we slowly sort of grew ourselves um, but at the start there was just you know one training room um, you know and then one support staff to, to handle the people um, but as we sort of built the information on the website because what we found as well when we started looking at it was it was exactly like the mines people just couldn't find all the information they wanted online so we thought let's just get all the information from online and put it in one place mm. um tell them about you know the opportunities or how it works or what you can do what you can't do whether you go to university or whether you study in the vet sector um started to get um a lot more people looking at what we what we do um and then started to um you know put them into the courses um and then there was a bit of a shift where we actually looked at the course and we thought hey it's a great course but what's the true outcome for people and uh, what we found was people were using our course to then go on to university and study the Bachelor of Paramedicine. So as much as we loved the diploma just as a standalone course, back then the outcomes from just a diploma were were even less than they are today. You know, today there's many different areas you can go into with just a diploma, but Mm. back then even less. 
so we noticed that hey the, the universities you know love taking our students so um, that was probably the time that that really took off for us where we thought well I made the decision that you know what we need to do is have a really good curriculum uh, we need to have a really good um, um, practical that's mm-hmm. aligned with what universities want so then when the universities actually get our students you know they're going to be amazed and they're going to ask for more so uh, and I knew it would be a, a long long process and it probably took about three years you know the first year we had a couple of students the next year you know probably 10 or 15 and then the next year was sort of 30 or 35 and and really in the fourth year was when you know we had universities ringing us and asking for our students so um, the universities would sort of put the dibs on you know the students that are coming out and the main reason was you know they they knew these people are tested and um, mm. they're motivated um, they've already proven themselves to be able to study online um, and they're going to finish so because universities have a job off rate you know, between sure. 30 and 50%. And they're expensive courses. It costs a lot of money for them to, you know, put someone in and start training and then to not be able to get their full revenue. It's um, mm. it's not that good for them. So they know with our students, unless something happens drastic in the person's life, you know, 100% they're, they're going to be finishing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, even as we've just heard your, a bit of your own personal journey through life, it's kind of, there's so many kind of, I think, correlations to, I think, the way you've gone about setting up um, and establishing the college in the way it's a commitment to to embracing anybody wherever they're at in their career journey, whether they're you know it's just starting out and think this is their career for them, or whether they they've got tried a few different mm. things but want to add this to their to their quiver and and, and see if mm. it, it'll go somewhere. And and I guess that that commitment to I guess providing such a a, a real quality learning experience and environment i mean it's exciting to see where things are at today um um how how would you explain how how the college kind of meets some of those challenges to learning um that that people have you know online learning predominantly is what you offer in addition to the workshops that you have Mm. but that that's got to be challenging for for people that are are you know studying at home online um alone um, can you kind of share a bit more about how you've innovated in that area as well as a college? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So what we found at the start when we started to um, you know ask people what's the biggest challenge for you to become a paramedic, um, a lot of the answers were first of all they don't think they've got enough time to study. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, they don't think they have enough money, um, mm-hmm. and then thirdly, they don't think they're smart enough. So the smart enough one is is a really big challenge because you know people don't want to go to university and have a you know 60 grand hex deck just to find out that they're not smart enough so right. you know for us um, it was a it was a big challenge for us to to be able to um, give people the opportunity to sort of test themselves with that um, obviously we do have a, a basic level that we're unable to accept people you know uh, who who don't pass a general um, literacy mm-hmm. sort of test but mm-hmm. um, largely after that where you know our courses are sort of structured to be a little bit easier at the start and they they get harder and harder as people get more confident mm-hmm. with um, with their own abilities of learning um, it's sort of a scaffolding effect yeah um, but you know an, another thing for us that we've done is um, we probably provide a lot more support mm-hmm. and a lot more um, trainer interaction in those first couple of units because that's a time where you know people have committed they're all excited if it's hard for them that's the point where they drop off. So, you know, as well as doing training really well, we also look at our data really well and we find out at what point is the point where people, you know, lose interest, 
um, and then possibly, you know, um, you know, fail to, to finish the course. So at those particular points, we really try and encourage them through student support calls, um, through external webinars, and then just encouraging them to, to talk with the trainer. You know, mm. a lot of the time people just try and struggle by themselves, but, you know, we've built up such a big team that, you know, they don't have to do that. You know, it's one of the, um, the benefits of, of the Australian Paramedical College versus any of our... Um, any of our competitors is the number of um, support staff and the mm. number of trainers that we have. So there's nothing worse than someone who um, needs a hand with something and, and isn't be able, being able to get it. Mm. Um, it's those pivotal points where someone can just lose interest and, and give up because they believe that they're all alone. So, you know, that was one of the, um, the ideas that I had when I was um, building the course and building the teams. You know, we had to basically oversupply in those areas, student mm. support and, and, and trainer support. Yeah, because I can imagine um, in that sense, you know, they're um, as difficult as it is to, to study online um, and you've kind of compensated and made sure you've got that support there. There are a lot of advantages to be able to do your study online as well, right? And to be able to maybe hold down a full-time job, make sure you're not losing the income that you might mm. do if you went into study or maybe get additional work experience and practical experience because you have the time to do that. I mean, can you talk a bit about how, how you've, you've seen that kind of impact the way students have come out because like you said universities are, are um that you know that have the bachelor degree are, are really looking for people that have have done the um diploma studies with with apc yeah yeah for sure so you know many of our our students are working full-time or at least part-time um and not all of them in the in the areas of health you know a lot of them mm. are just trying to do something different um, you know, the course is set up so that it can be um, run in parallel to whatever they're doing. Mm. Um, and in their spare time, you know, they can they can do the course. So a lot of people um, are able to, you know, earn that income along the way. So when they don't have, you know, financial sort of stresses as well as educational sort of stresses, it, it, it makes it a lot easier for them to, to mm. be able to get by. Um, you know, if people had to commit to full-time study, then not only have you got the pressures of study but you've got the pressures financially mm. you know the pressures of actually making it mm. so you know by giving people the opportunity to, to to do it in their own time and they can choose whether they want to do eight hours a day or if they want to do an hour a day you know people do it at various speeds mm. um, and also that's that's uh, along with their abilities as well um, but you know we have the ability for for people to to, um, to be flexible in what they want to do. Um, you know, our, our, the main time frame is, you know, the two years that there's an expectation that the, the course gets finished in. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether they fly through or whether they go slow, you know, a lot of the people do finish within that time. So, yeah. It seems like there is a strong sense of community amongst the students. Was that intentional by the college to create that? I mean, online learning can be a lonely place. And people often feel like, oh, I just need the classroom. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yep. Well, um, when you look at the, um, and what we did was we looked at, okay, what do people get with the classroom? And they get the ability to talk to other students and connect with them and, and make friends so that they do show up the next time. So we thought, how can we replicate that online, especially with students from all over Australia? So um, largely, we took advantage of one of the technologies around the time, Facebook, and used a private Facebook group. So, you know, we've got private Facebook groups for our students, and they're all on there communicating, you know, multiple different posts a day. It could be 
anything from uh, where where do you want to buy a stethoscope to hey I'm having trouble with this particular unit is there anyone in this general area who you know wants to catch up and you know study it um, so yeah we've um, we're really active in in that area of our student group and that gets the communication going um, you know people say hey I just passed this unit and they congratulate each other um, they they post pictures of the workshops um, you know it's it's great it's fantastic. Would you say it, it seems that there's a kind of a core belief, a value and a motivation for the college that is creating, meeting people where they're at, you know, whatever um, uh, life, you know, stays there at, children, work, whatever, and uh, meeting them with that desire to go on and do something and creating the pathway. Yep. And is that had been uh, like... The, the pathway would there wouldn't be a pathway there if they felt they had to step into a bachelor degree but essentially that's what APC does right yep yeah for sure it's just it's a pathway and and the more students we have um, the more of those individual pathways that we have so you know people might think oh you know I'm a single mum with two kids mm. um, you know living in Sydney like there's no way there's a pathway for me but because um, you know they can jump on the forum and actually talk to other single mums you know with two kids who are further down the course than they are they see that you know that's a possibility for them so um, the community to be able to also show and prove that this does work and it is an effective pathway you know does does wonders for us and does wonders for our students as well because it motivates them just as much everyone's got busy lives and you know how they actually fit this course in um, uh, is is amazing you know even through corona you know we had an increase of around 30 percent of people submitting so as much as you know the world was falling apart in many different ways mm. you know people were still studying and still submitting knowing that on the other side of this it's going to open all up again and the opportunities are going to be there and going to be there even more so it's um you know and, and the motivation i think was a snowball effect where people would see other people being motivated and finishing units and thinking yeah that's me i'm gonna i'm gonna do that you know we always have to remind people of the the dream that they had coming mm. in don't forget that you know there's a time where that sort of thing wanes a little bit but you know people have to remember what they what they came here for and and that is another challenge with you know courses that um have a two-year duration or a year and a half duration um uh, you know staying motivated so that's where you know, having a, a group of people who are motivated as well. You know, uh, a lot of our trainers are former students, so they, they absolutely understand, you know, what the yeah. students are going through. So, right. um, you know, we love it that they can talk to the students from a, um, from, a, from their own experience point of view. Um, they're not just coming from some stranger trying to tell a student what it's like, what they should be doing. It's someone who's been in their, in their shoes and is now able to, you know, hold their hand and take them to the finish line. Yeah. No, I think, I mean... It is phenomenal when you have that understanding and that recognition of like what it's like to be a student. It's not easy. But as you mentioned, when you have a dream or when you have a vision to get somewhere, what you've designed, what you're putting together is there's a way to get there and we're going to find that way to get there and we're going to make sure we're flexible enough and we've got the support uh, available to make sure that you can actually get there. And I, I love that there's mm. that that attitude of, of, of success built into the way you operate as a college. It's a very positive, forward-looking um, mm-hmm. looking, looking, um, um, approach to the way you do what you do, and hence the innovation and always looking forward. Can you point to any 
um, stories that come to mind, maybe some students that have succeeded or, and, and I guess overcome the odds um, with all the challenges? Um, is yeah, there anybody yeah, that yeah, comes to sure. mind that you'd like to um, So I think the, and also overcoming challenges comes from, you know, my past with sport, you know, you're mm. always put in tough situations and you have to try and, you know, overcome them and, and when you do overcome them, you reach a whole new level and that becomes your normal. So, right. you know, along with me, always wanting to do that with myself I also push that onto our trainers and onto our staff so so they're continually trying to improve themselves and, and just think about you know what else can we do for the particular students but um, from um, yeah student student um, uh, stories you know we've had um, you know people who are dyslexic who have um, you know mm. finished the course struggled through but actually finished the course and now they're you know they're working in the, the services so um, you know, even from that, it's just such a such a big thing that you know normal people uh, take for granted that things are, are easy to learn. But if you you, you give someone a um, something like that to overcome as well, it's, right? Uh, even more so. So yeah, that was really pleasing. You know, she'd been with us for for quite a while, and um, yeah, you know, it was great to see her you know, succeed. Oh. Other than that, um, you know, it's probably just the, the, the change of um, employment, you know, like, you know, we've had people that have, you know, worked in cafes, worked in McDonald's, um, real, um, you know, you'd say basic employment and they've, they've studied hard and they've done our course and now they're, they're, they're working in events, they're, you know, they're out there, you know, saving people and changing people's lives and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, that's, that's probably the biggest um uh, the biggest thing that I like to see is really people changing their employment status, you know, like, mm. you know, I was able to do it, even though um, working at the food vans at the AFL is very prestigious. So eating Dagwood Dogs. Eating Dagwood Dogs, yeah, there's, uh, you know, there is more in life and you don't necessarily know where your life's going to take you, but exactly. at some point you, you do think back and go, oh, wow, okay, I've gone from selling Dagwood Dogs at the um, the AFL to, to being CEO of Australian Paramedical College and that's just through you know hard work and also just you know testing yourself and, and having a go at things so yeah. I think that's the same with all the students hmm. yeah I mean so you could allude to some of the the changes that people have gone through in their own own careers and even in your own life but the college itself has had a few recent uh, changes some exciting new changes um, is there you do you want to share yeah, it's probably. Um, I mean, recently. you know, through the through the coronavirus, we really had to look at you know how we do things, you know, the the type of supports that we um, that we offer, um, and then we thought, look, the the students need to hear from the trainers more often. Um, they need to hear from the mm. staff more often. So we one of the initiatives was a trainer chat, and that's basically a, a weekly event where um, it's around about sort of half an hour to an hour where students are able to log on live and ask questions um, and learn something along the way. Um, but it also gives them the opportunity to to meet the staff and and talk to the staff and put a put a face to a name. Um, largely, while they're going through the units, they just see the signatures of the the trainers. They don't necessarily get to engage with them unless they they give them a call. So, you know, it's really good for them to know who are these people who are holding their hand along the way as well. So the trainer chat's definitely done that. Um, and then um, you know the the information webinars. There's a there's a whole range of um, things that are sort of coming. You know uh, that are also relating to each unit to help people along the way. Um, we've got um, assessment help. Um, so it's videos on how to actually you know uh, do the assessments, um, mm. not the answers of course. So it's, <laughs> we're very careful not to do that, but really to help people to know how to study. You know a lot of people come 
and they've left school, they've gone to the workforce for a few years and they don't know how to study. So really, it's just a trainer talking about go to Google, go here, here, go to go to this encyclopedia and um, and look up your answers. That's what's needed. And it's come a long way. I mean, at the beginning when you took over, I mean, uh, I think at one point you said there was like photocopies of, of things to help kind of yep. students along to now utilising... Um, yeah. Yeah, like when we first Online. started, um, you know, because, you know, I, I just bought it as is and basically took a little while for me to actually notice, but it was just photocopies of, of the textbooks. And we so we were using, you know, someone else's content. So, you know, as soon as ever we sort of found that out, which was still okay because you're still meeting the standards as an RTO, but just nothing unique about it. So, mm. um, you know, we then, you know, made the big investment to, to, to rewrite our, our content and create teams to be able to do that and, you know, get smart people to um, to make the curriculum and make it exciting as well. Mm. Um, and then, you know, the secondly, it was the creation of the, um, the location where we're at now, which is a purpose-built facility. Wow. Um, to be able to, you know, make the, the, the two-week um, practicals really exciting for people, you know, so so that they, they, they want to be motivated, they can touch and feel everything. You know, there's two ambulances and a, and a simulated ambulance so they can do, you know, patient interaction inside, um, you know, dummies, simulation stuff uh, everywhere. So, yeah, it's amazing. It's a, it's a big sort of step up from what it was at the start. Because back going back even like maybe 18 months ago, um, there were separate. Uh, this is how businesses kind of <laughs> grow, right? Um, it doesn't all go from um, start to you know to end. And and uh, you had like multiple uh, locations, some admin staff here, some training here. Yep. Um, yeah, because the areas we had were, 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 well, the training area we had was not big enough for all the admin staff. So we had to have some admin staff wow. here. And we had three different locations at one point, which mm. is, you know, highly ineffective. Um, and, it, and it did take a little while for us also to find, you know, the right spot because mm. the right spot had to be, you know, big enough for, for future growth as well as, um, you know, comfortable for all the staff because we knew that this was going to be our home. So um, it, it took a little while and one of the early negotiations fell over. Um, you know, we lost we lost something that we thought was going to happen. But what, um, you know, fortune has it, we um, a year later it became available again exactly the same place as we looked. So um, we were able to secure it this time well mm. and, um, and pulled out all the plans that we, you know, had, you know, a year ago and, mm. um, you know, just, just did it at that point, which was much better for us as well. I think if we had did it, done it a year earlier, we wouldn't have been as knowledgeable about what we needed and how we needed to do it. So we basically had a year, you know, between plans to, to work out really what we wanted. So it was a, it was amazing, and that's what we've got, you know, today. Yeah, and of course, um, you not only have the location here at Burley Heads, but there are other locations uh, around Australia as well um, that we utilise um, for for training. Um, so, I mean, of course, students come up here too, yep. don't they? But there are opportunities. Yeah, we wanted um, one of the things we found was, you know, it's, it's not possible for everyone to come up to the Gold Coast to train. Um, it is the best place for people I, to train. I was going to say, it's, it's not a bad place to bad come, place. come for some work uh, yeah, experience, some, you know. Yeah, there's some tick box things about the Gold Coast, aren't they? Not yeah. only the facility, but the, the beaches and... Yep. Things like that, but yeah, and we're finding more and more are coming up, you know, yeah. as, a, as a choice, oh. um, because it's also, you know, it is the home, so there's a lot more, um, you know, services that they can. You have get to meet all here, the trainers, all the you trainers. get to interact with everybody, and yep. state of the art, the mascot, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah that's right. 
Teddy, yeah, Teddy the, the dog. Yes, dog yeah. yeah, exactly. All that good stuff. So a bit hard to take Teddy down to New South Wales and Victoria. Yeah, it doesn't travel each time. well. Yeah, the amount of people that kind of leave their resume on the table when they walk out. I mean, it's pretty high. Everyone kind of wants to be <laughs> yeah. able to find a way to, to get a job back uh, back here at uh, mm. at headquarters for sure. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, and the New South Wales um, you know training rooms are great. They um, they're, they are. they're actually at. Um, you know, locations where they have patient transport vehicles and, you know, they're, they're almost the headquarters of, um, you know, first aid companies and mm. large event companies. So um, while it's not headquarters, it's still suitably, you know, yeah. um, suitably equipped for everything we need. Um, but, yeah, we are, we are going to encourage people to come up to the Gold Coast more, you know. I, I think um, it, it's, it's better for them also to be away and, and be, 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 be concentrating on that week, you know. You, the week's hard, you know. It's, it's, it's practicals every day. It's learning every day. Mm. So really at night time, you, to give it your best, you're better off just going home, relaxing, you downloading tried. what you just learned, learn a little bit more and show up the next day, exactly. you know, fresh and ready to go. So, Peter, I understand there was a, there was a pivotal moment where you realised in providing these pathways for students that you needed to relook at your enrolment team and how they facilitated people to get on the right track and find the right course. Otherwise, it didn't work out for anyone. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, the biggest thing we realised, not only did we need to, you know, create the course, which we did, um, create those pathways for university, but then you need to sort of reflect that to the people who are, who are ringing up and looking for the information. So, number one, you reflect it on the website. But if people go to the website and then call the company and, you know, you get a different message, it just doesn't sort of make sense to them. So, um, the pivotal point was when we really had enough people... Um, to be talking to everyone for as long as they needed to talk to to get mm. as much information as they can. And if we didn't know the information, we'd go find it. And then we'd keep that in our in our database of, of knowledge that we'd share amongst, you know, all the staff uh, to then for them to be able to make a decision. And, and we also didn't mind if they made a decision, went straight to uni or, or even went to one of the competitors. You know, that was that was fine with us. Like we were confident in our own abilities to, to do the training in our own pathways. So, yeah, I, I just said, look, let's um, let's find the right type of people who can and, you know, communicate and, you know, lo and behold, it happened to be, you know, middle-aged women who um, love to have a chat. So, you know, we, we thought this is the, the best people because they can learn about our courses, but, mm. you know, you can't learn how to connect with people and really find out their story and see how you can help them out. So um, luckily enough, we had a great way to help them out. We just needed that that transitional point, which was, you know, a, a really strong um, enrollment team who can give people all the information they need. So... That was definitely a pivotal moment for us where people um, got what we were creating um, because, you know, a lot of times I've seen people create great stuff, create great stuff, but you know, no one knows about it. So mm. there's not much use of that. Mm. It almost comes all the way back to, well, it does, all the way back, back to the I'm in co, the mining. Hey, here's all the information, guys. Um, where, do you, where do you want to go? And yep. um, you've integrated in it, that into the enrollment or course advisory process to, hey, here's all the information um, you know, where do you want to go? What what suits you the best? Which is yeah. In these days, it's really important for everyone to have all the information. You know, like that's what Google's about. Like now, people tend to get too much information and maybe scare mm. themselves into taking action as well. But mm. you know, you need to uh, collate that information and, and give it to people in 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 one place so they have mm. one source of truth. And you you know, you do need to make sure that that information is accurate as well. And that's you know, um, all day every day. Um, 
you know, the, the web guys as well as the, the, the mm. managers are, are making sure that the information that we're giving people is right so they can make a, an educated decision because, you know, it's a, it's a big commitment for them and, you know, right. we don't want them to make the wrong Peace decision. Peace of mind. I mean, there's nothing worse, I don't know, when I'm, like, got a problem to solve. Do I want to do all the, those little live chat things where I don't even know who the, per, you know, mm. whether it's, like, a bot kind of answering my questions or whether I'm actually interacting with a live person. But to be able to talk to somebody, to be able to... You know, ask whatever silly question that mm. comes to my mind to interact with them. I think that's, um, I think it's respecting the journey of the people that are on. And I think it's saying, hey, look, we care about you, about what you really want to do, about whether this is right for you, and and committed to kind of providing that from the beginning. Like you said, the last thing you want is to be going down this whole pathway, a whole journey, and and to realise, hang on, I, I probably could have gone this way instead and yep. save myself a lot of grief a lot of a lot of energy effort time and, and mm. so yeah I yeah guess. totally like we um you know I, I said that look we're gonna we're gonna in, uh, be able to invest in these people for the next two years so even if it takes two years to invest in them to then make the right decision where they then want to invest in us for two years and that's fine you know if that's, wow that's what it needs to be you know let it be that and and even through the corona like we've had um you know, people who had initially contacted us, you know, two or three years ago, you know, now it's mm. time for them, you know, back then yeah. it wasn't time. And, and luckily we're a whole different company now. So uh, exactly. it's even better for them. But And you, because you, you, in you, when they called you back then, they were like, well, they actually cared. They actually, mm. like that, people don't forget that, that, oh, I'm, I'm actually going to give them a call. It could be three years, like you said. Yep. And they didn't push. It's just, you know, whenever someone's ready, you know, they're, they're going to be here. So. It's, um, that's that's the um, has been the you know the, the best thing that we've done so far is just you know giving people the time um, on yeah. the phones talking to them um, or even through email and just giving them all the information. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, there's kind of two prongs to this innovation. It's innovation in, in finding this this pathways and providing people with actually what they need, meaning where they're at. And the other innovation is in the learning space. Mm-hmm. Like. Yep. What is what's the what's the future of learning? Now, yeah, yeah. Wh- wh- where are you guys looking to uh, considering technologies and things around to to innovate again and and continuously? What what are some of the things that are yeah? So um, you know, if people have sort of been following what we've been doing, you know, like we're we're always trying to be on the forefront of you know what are some of the latest um, techniques in learning and how can we improve what we do and get better at it to get you know better results for the students and provide a better um, mm. experience for them, better learning experience. So um, some of the areas that we're definitely looking at is um, artificial intelligence and machine learning. Um, virtual reality type stuff. I think the machine learning is probably um, one of the most important parts because everyone comes in at different levels. So what the machine learning does is it actually, as you answer the questions, it works out your level of um, academic academic ability and then it provides you different versions of the course that you need to be able to be successful. So... You know, if you're good creatively, then you'll get the creative version of the course. If you're good wow. um, with numbers, you know, you'll get the, the sort of the numbers version. So, you know, we're just looking into that. There's been a lot of tests, you know, largely in America. Um, but there's some companies doing some big things in that area. And I think um, because our course is um, um, moderate to hard um, and also it has such a range of people who want to do it, I think, you know, for us to implement that sort of um, stuff is, is going to be the best thing for, for our students as well. It's just from a company perspective. Um, the other one would be virtual reality. So for people to be able to strap on headsets and, and, mm. and headphones and, and be sub, um, immersed into, you know, virtual reality with, 
you know, screams and car crashes and emergency situations. There's some um, companies in Australia um, who have got some great technology that does exactly that. Um, and it's just, uh, it's an emerging technology. Um, and I think even the coronavirus, you know, has assisted people to want to accept those sort of technologies. Yeah, we've got to get creative now, yeah. don't we? And then even through the assessments, you know, that that's an even better way to assess people because it's, um, it's as close to real life as you can get. You know, some people, you know, they have those headsets on for five minutes and there's a screaming person in their ear and <laughs> they take them off, they're, you know, they're, they're spent because they've been immersed in it, you know. Like, wow. Or the, the, the car horns honking, there's people screaming, it's... It's full on. So hopefully we can just implement some of those things into the trainings slowly and so we don't scare people off. But Mm. How exciting is that? I mean, like, there's a lot of industries that I guess for quite some time it seems to be normal that that happens, whether you want to be a pilot, there's Mm. simulations, and they have to do, you know, X amount of hours of simulation training. I think this is... It's exciting to hear that you're really kind of moving forward and bringing those kinds of technologies um, into into play because, yeah, like... Yeah, I couldn't imagine having a VR headset on and listening to screaming yeah. children. But I guess that's that's the reality, right? When you're at a scene, you can't you can't kind of choose. No. Have classical music playing and no and everything to be, <laughs> be kind peaceful, of, yeah. You know, you easy, good, yeah. and, and you know, you got really to deal. Hard. It's also really hard to, to reenact in a in a scenario, you know, at the practical. So mm. we try our best to try and throw people off in a practical, but you know, you, you can't honk a horn and have people screaming the whole time, or have a car crash, or have someone with you know massive hemorrhaging. You can try right. as much as you can, but you know, oh. virtual reality, you can see it and, and hear it. I'm sure, like, if you needed someone with with uh, some serious kind of cognitive impairment to come along i'm sure one of us could oh, come along I'm and sure. you know yeah. put our hands yeah. up or you know you know absolutely but you don't want that <laughs> <laughs> you don't want that uh and and i guess it's another level of bringing the learning to people particularly the practical because you know that at this point in time has to be sort of face to face but yeah. um if you can kind of uh you know um decrease that gap uh, yeah. for people to be able to get get hands on without being hands-on in a sense mm. yeah for sure and um, one of the another initiatives even with um, the coronavirus so you know people during our course have to get their clinical hours up so they need to attend events they need to attend all these things that are reduced at the moment so um, we've been talking with our, our regulator as well as some providers to be able to create mock events so hmm. you could imagine at a, at a dance party where they have a lot of problems with you know drug overdoses and mm. um, sprained legs and you know people with alcoholic um, alcohol related injuries. Uh, illnesses injuries yeah. um mm. just um basically recreating those in a in a warehouse you know mm. and um you know the music the um the smoke machine the, the crazy friends so then when our students are able to come in yes it's a controlled environment but they're also getting all these different scenarios played out, you know, over one sort of session. So largely they're probably going to see and deal with more than they would in a normal event. Um, they don't have to wait for the events to start up again. So, yeah, we're, we're really close to being able to sign off on that to be able to provide that as an experience for our students. And it's going to give them an even better um, practical experience and they get in their yeah. normal clinical placement where, you know, if it's a quiet event, they might not sort of see any action. So. Yeah. Wow. Well, look... It's we're kind of living in in uncharted territory right now. The world is very uncertain, but it's good to know that with 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 all the uncertainty going on, um, that there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes to make sure. Um, well, because we know for one thing, there's going to be always going to be a need for health professionals, mm. 
in in the world that we live in there's always going to be a need for people that are willing to put their hand up to work on the front lines and to do some of the hard things that uh, show up to work when uh when when things got kind of go pear-shaped so it's pretty exciting to hear about the ways you've been creative innovative mm. and um and keeping keeping that learning experience moving forward and it's and it's really heartwarming too to to know to hear about the response of people uh, in a worldwide pandemic, uh, knowing that the healthcare workers are the front lines. It's a they're, they're the infantry in the, in this war, and we've had a resurgence of people signing up saying yes, I want to work in this industry, and that yep. that to mm. me says a lot about. And we you know you you know the students all through the years that why they sign up and mm. it's typically the people that I want to I want to help yeah. people yep. I want to know how to help right. people and now more than ever people are putting up their hand and it's just really um, you know as I said before heartwarming um, inspiring and um, uh, yeah and it's inspiring to know that you are giving the steps the, those little steps up to for people at whatever place and position they're in mm. in their lifetime to to uh, to head in that direction and and to, to follow their dreams and um, I think it's pretty it's testament to um, you haven't had any formal business training no no formal business training just um, school of hard knocks learning along the way you hmm. know employing people and finding out what works what doesn't work getting you know one of my secrets is to get you know people that are smarter than me in the room you know I, right. I wasn't a paramedic so I get paramedics to do things. Um, and, you know, managers and HR people and student success people. So, you know, really it's just, you know, creating a, a magnificent team. You know, a lot of our people have been with us on average for, you know, four or five years. So it sort of just proves that it's a, it's a great place to work because they have the ability to um, um, to do the job that they know they need to do. There's nothing worse than a boss who's out of touch coming in and telling them how to do something when, you know, you've got mm, no idea mm, on how things work here mm. or, or what the students are saying and stuff like that. So, you know, uh, my thing is just to um, support them whenever they wherever they can and, and provide, you know, more resources for them or, mm. um, you know, the money to do different things and, um, mm. you know, take on all those new initiatives and test them out and, and push them to really um, find out what is, what's needed uh, for the students along well, the way. Well, I might put you on the spot here, um, but you mentioned it, it primarily was the school of hard knocks that kind right. of got you here. Can you think of anything in particular, an event, a moment that kind of maybe didn't go to plan, that kind of was... You know, a moment where oh man, this is this hasn't gone the way I wanted to, um, and you know, I guess you've learnt from that, or, or or maybe it's just one of those things you look you can look back on and think, wow, that was uh, that was a hard season. Um, yeah, I think it's more around um, you know staffing. It's it's always hard to to find good staff, um, mm. and it's um, it's not hard to keep them because we provide a good environment for our staff, but. You know, when, when you sort of have a, um, a sense that someone sort of doesn't fit, you know, just the, the, the challenges around what you then do about it. And, you know, for me, I think, you know, the longer that you take to take an action, um, the more it sort of eats into the culture. And then um, there's challenges in trying to build that culture back up again. Mm. Um, because people don't sort of know everything around a whole situation sometimes. So, right. you know, it's a little bit harder for everyone to understand everything. But... Yeah, largely it's just you know really just the challenge of trying to protect a culture which is a which is a moving, growing thing, and everyone sees the culture differently themselves. Sure. So that's probably been the biggest challenge uh, along the whole time. Um, if you look for a specific type of events, you know we 
we had a workshop recently in WA and we sent our stuff a week and a half before thinking that's plenty of time and the day before we rang the company and they said oh no your stuff's still in Sydney we haven't transported it over there yet so so that was a little bit crazy we had to you know beg and steal and everything to try and get equipment there for for the first couple of days um while the you know the the transport company got their act together so Mm. something like that just throws a massive wobbly into you know something you thought would go so smooth smoothly but again, it, it also um, opens up your eyes to the things that you need to really double check before, you know, you know, is that transport company on time? You know, uh, sometimes it's not necessarily better to go with the cheaper ones. Um, it's <laughs> better to go with the bigger ones who can actually fulfill what you need because it's, um, it's, uh, it's pretty hard to do a practical when you haven't got um, mannequins. And, right, and it costs you, know, you a lot more in the long run, doesn't it? It costs it? a lot more in the long run, yeah, yep. So yeah, that yeah. was one instance. Um, but again, you know, we don't we don't let those things sort of worry us. It's just you know, it's largely out of our control. Learning experience. Learning experience. We try yeah. and um, you know, we um, m- most of the things that we uh, the problems that we've had are just are just learning experiences. There's nothing that's, uh, hmm. that's drastic. So, so Pete, in uh, winding things up, appreciate your time and everything. Um, do you have any advice or message that you'd give to current APC students or anyone who might be considering studying paramedicine? Yeah, sure. It's probably around um, you know motivation and and staying true to what it is that you sort of wanted when you when you first joined up. Um, for the people who are um, who are currently joined up, you know, stay motivated. Remember what it is that you wanted out of this. You know, don't let the um, I don't know. I, I suppose the opinion of others sort of bring you down. If they might hear along the way that this is hard, you're never going to make it. Things start to ring in their ears along the way, but they need to you know prove all those people different, and um, you know. Uh, use the support of our teams to understand the, the challenges and how they can overcome them. You know, the teams um, that experience that they've seen everything and heard everything and seen people push out the other end. So, mm. you know, for, for the current students, don't be afraid to, to talk to the, to the support teams that we have around, you know, where they're at because there's always mm. a, a hand that they can have. Um, and then to current students, it's really about just doing the, the right sort of homework, you know, get all the information you need, um, look at, you know, what it's going to cost you um, from a financial perspective, from a time perspective, and then, you know, um, ask some questions around, you know, how hard is the actual course and, you know, um, the, the experience you've had with your own education and see if people have, have pushed through with that, just so you don't have those question marks once you've made the decision. Mm-hmm. Um, then when it comes to making a decision, just just make sure it's it's really something that you feel you want to do, you know. We, we sort of really don't want students and, and our selection criteria is, is, is quite difficult, you know. We don't just sort of take everyone who rings up you know we want to know that people are committed they're more committed than just watching a show and ringing up in the ad break and Mm. and and joining up you know we want people who have actually you know thought about this for a while so they're going to remain committed um uh, because the same thing we're trying to increase the culture that we have in our student group Um, and we don't want any bad eggs in the student group either Mm. just as much as we don't you know in, in our workplace so just to summarise, you know, the, the existing students, you know, they, they really need to um, remember what they were doing it for. And I think the the, the, the potential students need to really get um, solid on, you know, what they want and um, be certain that that's what they want. Because mm. um, we're definitely the, the, the blessed best place for them to be able to get that mm-hmm. uh, but again if they if they choose somewhere different we're fine with that as well you know we, we basically just want to create more paramedics and help people along the way so well it's exciting we're super glad that mm. you could kind of spare a bit of time in your busy schedule running yeah, the show fun. over there and, and to come over in the studio 
we've made sure we've got a few Dagwood dogs fresh popping <laughs> off yeah, out, of the, uh, out of the out uh, of the the oil, you know, hot cook hot oil cooker, and we've got some tomato sauce and ready to dip and and chump and go. No, <laughs> no, I was really really glad you come in, Pete, and um, and chat with us. Um, it was it was really good to hear. Awesome. Not only your story. Um, but also the you know the evolution the, the journey that the college has been on and uh, it's definitely a great place to be. Yep. Yeah, thanks, Mike. No worries. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of Changing Lives, brought to you by Australian Paramedical College. If you're enjoying our podcast, please consider rating it, leaving a review, or sharing it with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe to stay tuned for all future episodes. Did you know we're also on YouTube? Search for Changing Lives Podcast and you can watch our episodes in HD video, see the studio and put a face to a name. Speaking of studios, this podcast was filmed, recorded and produced by Make Media Studios. Special thanks to our audio-visual engineer and editor, Jose Biotto. And as always, it has been great to be with you. Until next time, don't stop changing lives. <laughs>